0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Long Overdue, a Franklin Library podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Andy. And today we're going to be talking about some of our recent reads. Um, but first, for our icebreaker, Andy's got the question this week. Okay. So last time we discussed
1: books that we as reference librarians have uh, To as kind of go-to books to recommend. If someone asks us for a recommendation, we don't really hesitate on the titles that we talked about. We know they're really good general interest books that most people would enjoy. But this time, we're gonna talk about books that we really like and wish we could recommend, but aren't really not quite as confident lots of people would like them as much as we do. So I don't know, do you wanna take the first one, Sam?
0: Yeah, so one of the ones that comes to mind is a series I've talked about, I think all of them at some point on here, um, is the Ken Liu Dandelion Dynasty mm-hmm. series. Um, it's a four-book series that's probably got to be approaching 4,000 pages across the whole thing. Yeah. Um, the first two are like seven or 800, and the last two are both over 1,000. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic series. It's really inventive. It uses like Chinese mythology and stories versus a lot of like Western, like European, um, like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings use a lot of like Western um, uh, folklore and stuff like that. Right. Um, And it's a fascinating story over decades and decades of time i do not feel confident that many people (laughs) will want to read the first book which again is is only i think like 700 some pages Mm -hmm. just you know pretty standard for fantasy but probably two to three times as long as most people would want for a standalone novel and that's just the first book in the series so (laughs) that's when i reserve if someone's like hey i really want a fantasy series yeah, that I, I really can dig want, into. Yeah, yeah. So do you think it's the um,
1: the non-Western uh, focus that maybe some people
0: might have a hard time getting into? or Maybe a little bit. Um, one of the things, I guess, that could affect that is that it's a little bit less, um, like, I don't want to say relatable, but... You may if if you haven't read a lot of Chinese history or folklore you may not pick up on the references. Yeah, um, it's still very accessible um, Because I didn't get a lot of the references um, The biggest thing is just the amount of dedication you have to put into right. it um, It's just very long there are tons of characters And it's one of those books where, at the beginning of the book, he has all the major characters um, and the map of all the places. Eventually, there's two different maps for two different lands and, you know, a couple dozen major characters that you need to keep straight and remember Mm -hmm. who did what, when. So, like, it's one of those things where if you're not into fantasy, you're not going to enjoy it. Whereas, like, Lord of the Rings you know it's 3 a couple hundred pages in total um and there're really only a dozen major characters that you really need to know to enjoy the book um uh, but this one you you have to really dig in mm. and and be present
1: yeah so i guess for the right person it, it would be a great a great read but for most people kind of kind of
0: a challenge definitely yeah
1: uh the first one that I wanted to talk about is uh, a book that's I read, oh, a few years ago. Uh, it's uh, fiction. It's called When We Were Animals by Joshua Gaylord. And uh, it's just one of my favorite books of uh, the last few years or so, at least. I mean, I think it's probably five or six years old now. Um, but it's about this town in Ohio, if I remember correctly. Uh, That might not be right. But uh, in this town, there's this kind of weird ritual of when kids uh, become teenagers, they run wild at night (laughs) during the full moon. And it's just very crazy, very violent nights. Everyone in the town knows to stay in their homes after dark, you know, once the moon is up, you need to be at home. Otherwise, you know, you could get injured or who knows what. And there's just something about the the writing of the book that I just thought the atmosphere and everything like that is just so intense and interesting uh, that I just loved it. Uh, I think the reason why it might not appeal to people because it's It's almost too much fantasy for Mm. regular readers, but probably not enough fantasy for uh, fantasy readers. So it's kind of like right in the middle of, I mean, if you are willing to, uh, you know, suspend your belief that this is happening, Mm -hmm. uh, then it it works for you. But I think that it's just – it. It probably appeals to a pretty small audience, I think. Okay. Yeah,
0: a little bit weird for the general reader. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Another one that I wanted to talk about, too, is a book of short stories, which is kind of one of those things where we've talked about that before, whether uh, people are into short stories or not. You're kind of like either you like them or you don't. And this one is called One More Thing by B.J. Novak, who many people know from his uh, his role on The Office as Ryan the, uh, the Temp. Yes. And um, it's just a, a brilliant book of short stories. Uh, and in fact, a lot of them are even like microfiction, even, you know, just very, very short stories. But they're just very funny, very, very quirky, you know, very much like kind of what you'd expect him to do if he wrote a book of short stories and very uh, enjoyable, but since they're short and they're just kind of weird and maybe not a lot of story to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have, it's kind of a limited appeal, although I think it did pretty well when it came out just be- yeah. because it was him
0: probably, but yeah, that's, I, We've talked a lot about short stories that we both really like short story collections because if you don't like it, you can stop reading it, move to the next one. But even if you don't like it, it's not a huge commitment anyway. Um, And I think that's also why people really don't like short stories. Yes, definitely. There's no, you know, long arc. Yeah, to get into, to kind of get involved in. Right. Sometimes there are... I feel like I've read um, some short story collections. Uh, The name escapes me. Um, It's the Martian Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Um, And that, it's all segmented short stories where you don't need to read them one by one to understand them. But they do bring up different characters and, and events that happen in other stories. Mm-hmm. So you kind of do get that running thread. Um, but it's nothing like a novel where there's right. the story arc. Yeah, I mean,
1: with the uh, the
0: microfiction that's in this
1: one, uh, the story might almost be over by the time you've decided whether you like it or <laughs> not. <laughs> you know, So that that's uh, yeah. uh, kind of solves that problem
0: in a way uh, with that. But...
1: Mm -hmm. Did you have another one?
0: Yeah. So um, the other one that I thought of, um, which is one that, or an author that we've talked about on the podcast before, is Sayaka Murata. And she wrote Convenience Store Woman and Earthlings, which we've discussed on the podcast before. They're both um, shorter novels, very, very strange Um, a little disturbing for some people I'm sure Mm -hmm. Um, but for the right reader they they would love it. It's it's just the most bizarre fiction Um, she also has a short story collection called Life Ceremony and almost all of them are extremely weird and without giving too much of the premise away um, the uh, title story Life Ceremony comes later in the book And it's all about this society who, when somebody passes away, they use the body for a feast, essentially. Um, And one of the characters is like, you know, I don't really like eating people. And everybody thinks that (laughs) they're the super weird person. (laughs) Um, So it's really fun. It plays with your expectations of what is considered normal versus not normal. Um, It's a little bit. Like Twilight Zoney, yeah. Um, it, but it, it can be disturbing for the wrong reader who is just not interested in something like that. Um, but for the right reader who wants a, something offbeat and a little odd, um, highly recommend her. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, I, I read uh, Convenience Store One and uh, and Earthlings, uh, and I I liked them both, and yeah, for all those reasons basically. And but yeah, I I definitely would agree that it's not
0: for everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right, you wanna kick us off with our sure. the main part? Sure.
1: Okay, so the first book I'm gonna talk about today is called Mystery of Mysteries by Mark DeWitzia, And this is a biography of Edgar Allan Poe that, let's see here, I believe it, yeah, it came out this year. Um, and although it covers his whole life, it concentrates more uh, on his death, which I think the author rightly points out is really one of the most famous things about him, mm-hmm. just because he died under very mysterious circumstances. Um, so I think it's really interesting that he he did it that way. And he's kind of trying to figure out, you know, what happened, because there are a several days before his death where he was basically missing, or um, there's no really account of what was where he was or anything and what happened to him. Uh, So he's really dug into all sorts of sources, other biographies and uh, primary sources to kind of see if he can figure this out. And um, as people may maybe probably remember Uh, like I said uh, Poe was missing for several days and then he was found uh, in Baltimore which uh, that was where he was planning on being uh, in a kind of confused mental state wearing someone else's clothes and couldn't really account for himself and was just uh, in in bad shape and uh, so it's always been kind of a mystery as to what what happened there that what really caused his death and you know it was a mystery even then I mean it's st- and and even now many many years later um there have been a number of theories uh put out there uh about what happened to him and probably the leading one is that uh he was kind of kidnapped and kind of held hostage for a few days hmm. um He was found I think near a polling place and there was an election going on around that time and that was something that did happen uh, back in those days where they would grab someone usually uh, maybe a a homeless person or something like that and kind of spirit them away and get them drunk and have them go vote at multiple places and so that was the speculation that maybe that's what happened to him. He was uh, he was overly sensitive to alcohol, mm. so that is kind of w- what they attribute a lot of his drinking problems to be. The cause is just that he didn't need to drink a lot to get very very drunk, and so um, that made it very tough for him because you know even you know, just a small amount would uh, would really uh, wreck him, you know. So uh, that's one of the theories. Um, and then uh, the uh, other, or the theory that the author kind of comes up with, I'm not going to tell you what it is, <laughs> but he kind of explains it near the end of the book. And I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, so I think that was... That was kind of interesting uh i think for you know for edgar Allan poe fans i would check it out even if you've read other biographies of him it's just really interesting to have this real concentration on his death and the mystery surrounding it um one criticism that i do have of the book and i did see as i was looking on goodreads a lot of other people said this too is he kind of alternates chapters where one chapter is going to be kind of the traditional biography where he's telling the uh, the narrative in sequence and then he'll go to the next chapter which is uh, some period that he's covering right around the time of Poe's death and it kind of switches back and forth and I think it's it makes it a little bit hard to follow or at least not as easy to follow as you'd as you'd like and I, I noticed that other people made that comment too but overall I think it was really uh, very worthwhile and um, like I said if you are a Poe fan I would definitely pick it up um, but maybe if you don't know that much about him maybe a different biography might be better to start with
0: yeah I, I, that, that was my one question is uh, for someone who's just goes you know what I want to learn a little bit more you wouldn't mm-hmm necessarily recommend this one for a first one.
1: I don't know. I mean, I guess it just kind of depends on how you're able to adapt to that arrangement of the chapters. I saw one person comment that, you know, what they would have liked to have done is just, like, take, like, rip the chapters out of the book and... Put them in consecutive order <laughs> and then read it <laughs> you know so it it is yeah. kind of distracting but it's so interesting all the way through that
0: it's mm-hmm. it's definitely worthwhile though that reminds me um so in college i took a course on uh mary shelley and the kind of shelley keats byron mm-hmm. circle mm-hmm. Um, and you can find biographies of mary and percy shelley Lord Byron and John Keats, and those will be a typical biography that, you know, give you the overview of their life and works and everything. Mm-hmm. And then during this class, I read, like, more in-depth biographies, specifically mm-hmm. about their, like, literary portions of their life, and it was really in-depth. Mm-hmm. And those are ones that I'm like, if you want to learn about these people, don't pick up this one, because mm-hmm. it just doesn't address what you really want to know um you need to start (laughs) with something first yeah i
1: mean uh he you know definitely lived a pretty complicated life and um it does i think it does have you know plenty of information about uh his writing and his career and his family life but just in the uh arrangement of the things i think it just kind of adds a little bit of confusion to it mm. um, just because you're not sure. Um, okay, wait a minute. I thought that he moved away from that city. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then you're back in it again. And so For it's sure. just a little bit um, uh, unsettling or uh, confusing, but not yeah. not to the point where you shouldn't read the book, but. It's just, I think if it would have been maybe just a little bit less so, even if he Mm -hmm. he still wanted to kind of do it that way to kind of bring out his uh, research on Poe's death, but just not quite as much back and forth.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, So uh, the first book I want to talk about um, is pretty much the opposite the opposite of yours. Um, it's called The Lonely Hearts Book Club by Lucy Gilmore. Mm. And it's a fiction book. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a total fluff summer beach read type mm-hmm. of book. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I picked it is because the main character, Sloane, is a librarian in a small town. Oh, yeah. Um, if you are a librarian, I don't <laughs> really recommend this book. because They talk <laughs> about some things that uh, about, like, how libraries work and how people, you know, like, interact with patrons and stuff. And I'm, the entire time, I'm just thinking this is not at all how libraries actually oh. <laughs> operate. And and nothing that, you know, a casual reader would pick up on and, and um, uh, like, get get upset about. And, and I don't know, maybe some libraries do operate the way that they talk about, uh-huh. um, but just the way that they talk about the job descriptions and things that they do um, just doesn't reflect my life as a librarian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the things I had an issue with is they talk about like collection development and it seems like multiple people have their hands in all different collections simultaneously, Mm -hmm. which is just not how any library I've ever worked in operates. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, usually somebody's in charge of the DVDs. Somebody's in charge of adult nonfiction and adult fiction and so on. Um, the only time that that was really changed was one job where we split nonfiction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we just did by certain call numbers. So I had like 100s through 300s. They had five, six and nine. And then I Mm -hmm. also had seven and eight or whatever the Mm -hmm, split was. Um, but, so if you're not a librarian, you probably won't Dewey care. Dewey Decimal System, let's, let's clear that up. Dude. Yes, the Dewey Decimal <laughs> System. <laughs> um, so anyway, off my little tangent, um, so Sloan is a librarian in a small town, and there's this curmudgeonly regular patron named Arthur who sends staff running and fleeing, and I was like, you know, there are a couple people <laughs> I've encountered where I see them and I go, you know what? I was going to say that never happens. (laughs) For the most part, we love all of our patrons. Absolutely. And we will always help people, but there are some people where you just know that they may be a little difficult or something like that. Um, But anyway, Arthur, he's like curmudgeonly to stereotype and just like so rude and know it all Mm -hmm. to all the staff. Um, And Sloan eventually starts, like, breaking down his barriers and challenges him on some stuff and kind of gives his attitude right back and breaks his shell a little bit. And then he stops coming to the library. Uh And it's been a week or two, and she goes, you know what, this is not like Arthur at all. He comes in every day around the same time. And so she does the unthinkable and looks up his address in the (laughs) library system... Uh To go and check on him and her boss finds out and says this is like an unbreakable rule you cannot do this and um she says if you like do it again you're gonna get fired i can't have you you know using patron data which is something that we you know encounter that in our library system we need some information we need to know where you live we need to have your contact information to let you know when things are ready to pick up and, um, notify you if they're due or, or whatever the case. Right. And, and those, that's your private information. We can't use that for any non library purpose. Right. Um, the only reason we have it is to verify that you live in Milwaukee County and that, like I said, if you have books to pick up, we need to tell you. If they do, we need to tell you things like that. But we can never take somebody's phone number and, and call them no. privately. No. F- for any reason. No. Um, that's just totally not. I, I, I don't think there's a library out there that wouldn't either right. immediately fire you or at least say, you know, this was your one oopsie. Right. Never do it again. Right. Well, she decides that it's worth it to lose her job oh. to, to help out. Um, Arthur, who had um, some health issues, and without getting too much in, into the story, um, they eventually start a book club, hence the oh. Lonely Hearts Book Club. Oh. And it's a ragtag group of Sloan, the librarian, Arthur, the curmudgeon, um, another library worker, one of Arthur's neighbors, and, and the group kind of grows and morphs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very sappy and sweet um a little predictable and it's just like perfect for people who don't want a stressful book mm-hmm, They mm-hmm. just want to read something it's light and fluffy take it on vacation and finish it quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um type book but you you see what's coming and, and mm-hmm. it happens pretty much the way you think it's gonna happen there are a couple twists and turns but it's mostly just like a fluffy easy read yeah, no, it sounds like kind of a fun book, though. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, uh, I don't know, library is a pretty good setting for a book. Lots of stuff happens happens there. We have mm-hmm. lots and lots of different types of people coming in all the time, and even though it's a small town, that would just be on a smaller scale. I'm sure you would, you know, still have uh, a pretty good mix of personalities amongst your, mm-hmm. your patrons, so... Uh, probably pretty rich environment for interesting characters.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is. My uh, biggest critique is that they don't really spend that much time in the library. Oh, okay. Because pretty early on, she she loses her job and they oh. talk about it, but it's mm-hmm. it's really, you meet the Sloan, the librarian, and Arthur, the curmudgeon, and that's pretty mm. much the extent of the library, mm-hmm. and then they go off in, in other ways. hmm mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, my next book is not fluffy at all. (laughs) It's called The Hunger by Alma Katsu. And it is a historical fiction novel mixed with horror fiction. And it's a fictionalized treatment of the story of the Donner Party. And just to (laughs) remind everyone, a quick recap of the, what the story of the Donner Party is. It was a uh, wagon train, a group of settlers uh, who set out from Missouri going to California to live. Uh, because of various delays and other problems, they ended up getting caught uh, on the Eastern slope of the Sierra Nevada mountains in California uh, when winter was just kind of striking and, and hitting. So they were trapped um, in that area. Uh, And even, you know, even in Wisconsin, I don't know if we can really imagine the amount of snow that falls in regions like that. Um, It's just foot after foot Mm -hmm. of snow. And so uh, they did find a small uh, group of cabins or buildings uh, that that many of them lived in, Uh, but... Uh, they didn't really have a lot of supplies because they were near the end of their tra- their their trail, and so in some cases they did you know resort to cannibalism to survive. Mm-hmm. So you'd think that would be bad enough, but
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Elmecatsu decides to throw in some malevolent spirits who possess people <laughs> and give them the hunger for human blood. It's not really a vampire type situation, but it's just they they like killing then at that point. So um, that's kind of the horror element. It's not really a um, you know, book where there's just like a gigantic you know body count or anything like that. In fact, you know it's really proportioned well, I think, as far as the trip that they make. You know, it's not like uh, all of it happens at the their camp, so to speak. Um, it really does follow them the whole way through, and um, I think it does really stick to a lot of the known facts as of the um, Donner Party uh, story as well. Because I kind of, as I was going through it, I was also kind of following along a little bit on on Wikipedia the Entry for the Donner Party, which is quite extensive. I mean, it's really they've uh, it's a very good summation of the, the story. So, um, you know, many of the characters in the book are the real people. And, you mm-hmm. know, they use the real names. I think there was one major character who he or she changed the name of um, and kind of maybe combined some elements of a different person also, but it wasn't uh a major change or anything like that but uh yeah there's some there's a lot of different um incidents in the book that were totally real that were you know oftentimes uh pretty pretty dramatic like there is a murder during the uh um, during the trip not caused by demons or anything like that but <laughs> And um, one of the really tragic uh, events was kind of as they were just getting to this area where the um, the win- winter starts to really hit them is the breakdown of one of the Donner family's wagons. And George Donner, kind of the leader of the family, gets injured severely um, trying to fix it. And, um, you know, that, that really happened, too. Um, so... You know, she does take a little bit of artistic license with uh, characters, or some, you know, a a fair amount of artistic license with the characterizations. Because I think that was one thing that made the book so good is these characters are really well drawn. I mean, there are she's picked out uh, a number of main characters who are really drawn very, very well, and you really get to know them and get to know their fears about the trip and their disappointments as to how it's going because they really do have problems kind of all the way along I mean well and it's not that shouldn't be a surprise it was very difficult to do that Mm -hmm. you know to make that trip Um, so the uh, horror element I think mostly comes in there's just a pretty menacing tone throughout the whole thing And, and once we the readers kind of find out more of what's going on uh the characters don't really quite come to it till closer to the end but we kind of know about this uh these malevolent spirits that are kind of uh infecting people and uh so we just kind of are silent observers to this whole (laughs) mess um the first the first sign that they get that something is is going on is uh, a little boy goes missing and they find him several days later further down the trail and his body is just eviscerated oh, and it's, uh, <laughs> yes, is, uh is uh, not a gory book I mean, she doesn't go into heavy descriptions and it's not, I wouldn't say super scary overall, it's just like I said, that menacing tone that really kind of sets the scenes mm-hmm. and I think it was just like a very kind of fine mix of the historical fiction and the horror fiction. So um, it's just a really interesting story. Um, I mean, I think just a book about the Donner Party would be very interesting, but to add that little bit of supernatural uh, element to it was really interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny because it's like, you know, this is a famous historical event that's already so like gruesome and horrifying. Mm -hmm, Right. And to then go, you know what? I'm going to make it scary. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, and it works, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that one, it sounds, you know, a little, like we were talking about, a little not for everybody. Yeah, that's, that's probably, but... yeah, I could probably put that one on my list, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe if you want something that's like a horror book, but not like a ghosts and goblins type Halloween horror. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you could do a straight...
1: Historical fiction of the diner Party too, and make it more you know adventurous and talk about the hardships, even though again that's that's very well uh portrayed in this book, but you know you could definitely make a very interesting book, you know a very interesting novel out of the story as well, but uh, yeah, just that unique little twist, I think, is what made this book interesting.
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, my next book is not too big of a departure. Um, well, well, well uh, you'll understand. So it's Crook Manifesto by Colson Whitehead. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of historical fictiony because it you know takes place in a fictionalized version of Harlem, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the second novel um, after Harlem Shuffle um, with the main character Ray Carney. Um, which I think Carrie was the one who talked about Harlem shuffle Mm -hmm. on the podcast before um, is about this man, Ray Carney, whose um, family has always kind of been in semi illegal, illegal business. Mm -hmm. um, And he's trying to get out of the crooked life. He calls it and uh, has a furniture store and is trying to, you know, keep it, on the up and up but he still um, fences or sells um, things that were stolen so the people who stole it sell it to him he sells it to somebody else to make a profit Mm -hmm. Um, so he's trying to get away from that in Harlem Shuffle and Crook Manifesto takes place um, over a couple years in the 70s versus Harlem Shuffle which took place in the 60s Mm -hmm. he's still trying to get out of the crooked end of the business, mm-hmm. um, and it, spoiler alert, he gets roped back in. <laughs> um, it's a little bit more PC than Harlem Shuffle, which as, as far as I remember it was pretty much one straight narrative, although there are a couple jumps. I think it goes from like 61 or 60, 61, and then 63 or some, something like that. Um, and this one is, I think, 71, 70 three or four and 76. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are a little bit more jumps, but there is still a storyline throughout, um, all of it. And if you've seen the movie uncut gems with Adam Sandler, Mm -hmm. it's a fantastic movie. It's a huge departure from his like child, childish humor, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, movies. It, and where he plays a gem salesman in New York and the entire thing you just have so much anxiety you know something bad is going to happen you just don't know when Mm -hmm. every time something bad happens it comes out of absolutely nowhere um and this is the same thing with crook manifesto you know bad stuff's going to happen you don't know when you don't know exactly how it's going to happen um and so it's one of those books where you just want to keep reading keep reading keep reading because it's just you need to know what happens and and when it's all going to fall apart. Um, so it's it's one you definitely have to read Harlem Shuffle first um, before this one, but if you have read it or you're interested in reading it, Crook Manifesto is a great follow-up.
1: Yeah, with that kind of intense and suspenseful story, when you really have a writer as good as Colson Whitehead is, it's mm-hmm. just, like, very exciting to read then, too, just because, you know, you've got... a uh, an author who really just is uh totally in command of what he's doing and uh you know i'm sure that that's very interesting i've i've uh only read the nickel boys by him mm-hmm. and you know uh, that's just a great great book and so i need to catch up with uh with some of his books you know because i enjoyed that one so much and yeah
0: so maybe i'll have to grab harlem shuffle and then move on to this one after that yeah absolutely yeah colson whitehead is a a fantastic contemporary author so if you haven't checked out any of his books um all of them are ones that are you know difficult to read um as in they deal with hard subjects and and bad things happen to people Uh, but they're very important books Mm -hmm. to read Mm -hmm. um, i think
1: Yeah, so um, I'll end I'll end on a fluffy note though. So (laughs) the next bring us bring us out of this. the 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 next one I wanted to talk about then is called "The World's Worst Assistant," and it's by Sona Mavsesian. And this is just a fun showbiz memoir from uh, the woman who is Conan O'Brien's assistant. And so it's just a mix of her life uh, behind the scenes stuff from Conan O'Brien's shows and also a little bit of a how-to on how to be a bad assistant to someone. <laughs> so she does have some tips on like, you know, how to watch TV at your desk and, you know, all sorts of that kind of stuff and making sure your boss doesn't, you know, see the bad stuff that you've done or you're... Laziness or whatever. So there's a few tips along the way, but and also some kind of fun uh, Little drawings and comics and and such and uh, But it's it's just overall a very enjoyable and and fun book Um, She grew up in California and after she graduated from college. uh, She eventually became a page at NBC So she said it's very very quite like um, being the character Kenneth on 30 Rock if you've watched that Mm -hmm. show she said yes you do you wear that uniform and all that (laughs) kind of stuff so um, and you know because of that she kind of eventually got the opportunity to to interview for the position uh, with Conan and uh, they hit it off right away and uh, just uh, work well together in their kind of In their own way. Uh, They have really kind of a sibling-like relationship where he's kind of the older brother who kind of gives her a hard time a little bit but you know she kind of gets gets back at him a little bit as well and um, over the years they've just you know become very very close friends and and colleagues. Um, So she talks about some of the pranks that go go along uh, at the shows and office shenanigans and just great stories about different uh, events. Um, One that was really good was after, you know, he, I don't know how to say left the Tonight Show, or Mm I don't know if he was exactly fired or, you know, but they they let him go and rehired Jay Leno. After that, he went on a tour where uh, he did various types of performances, I mean, comedy and music and everything like that. And there's there's kind of a little travelogue of the tour in, uh, in the book that's really very interesting and entertaining. Um, there's also a funny story about, uh, she likes to talk about when you're on the lot of, you know, NBC or probably any studio or whatever, uh, there are lots of golf carts, that's how you get around. Uh, at those places and lots of funny story about golf carts like one time she uh, was driving uh, Conan's kids around and they decided to go down into this kind of crater or ditch um and they got stuck they couldn't get the (laughs) golf cart to come back up and eventually they were able to climb out and um they had to go and get some sort of tow truck or something like that to pull (laughs) the to pull the uh golf cart back out and of course he gave her a lot of grief for that and everything but uh um he also one time uh, on air gave her a car because oh, yeah. she had such a crappy car <laughs> and the one that he gave her was probably even worse so so he surprised her on air with that because she does think you know take part in some of the on-air uh stuff as well um she is now married and has a couple kids but before that her dating foibles were material for bits and just basically mm-hmm. giving her a hard time around the office um but you can really tell that it's just a very very warm relationship between the two of them and you know you get to know conan a little bit uh, along along the way too so just a very fun read lots of likable uh, characters And uh, I would say for Conan fans, if you haven't read this already, I would definitely pick it up. And, you know, even if you just kind of like celebrity bios or whatever, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just a lot of fun. I,
0: yeah, I love like celebrity type biographies mm-hmm. um, just because you never know how much you'll actually like them. Um, And even, you know, like, maybe you're like, oh, I really like Conan O'Brien. I want to read a biography about him. But who's going to necessarily pick up a biography Mm -hmm. written by his assistant (laughs) about her life? Yeah. Um, But I've I've done that before where I'm like, you know, I think I might like this biography and I enjoy it significantly more than I thought I would. Yeah, it's a very
1: good mix of, you know, a little bit of her memoir and telling her story, but also... You know Conan is in it, you know, all the time, and I guess one other thing that I wanted to mention about it, which is one of the things that made me pretty sure I did want to read this book, was the front cover of the book. It has a picture, kind of probably taken in in the office or something like that, of them kind of posing next to each other, and she's sitting there kind of looking in the, in the camera, and uh, she's drawn a little halo above her head, and then Conan. She's drawn uh, little devil horns on him and some big eyebrows and a black eye and he's she's blacked out some of his teeth and gave him a little <laughs> goatee. So I think that that kind of encapsulates, you know, how they how they relate to each other. You know, so it's just uh, and a, and a good uh,
0: also just a good indication I think of what you're going to get when you read the book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. I think that's all we got for today. Um, so I hope you enjoy. We have a lot of uh, different recommendations yeah. that we've yeah. listed today, everything from very fluffy to very dark mm-hmm. uh, fiction and nonfiction mm-hmm. um, and gave you a couple ideas of what we liked, but necessarily wouldn't recommend to everybody. So mm-hmm. if you do fall into one of those, recommendation buckets that we talked about pick up one of those books and let us know what you think and we will catch you on the next episode